Welcome to the market, sponsored by the CME Group. Dateline, Scottsdale, Arizona, Friday, January 4. Hello again, Orion Samuelson with you, Max Armstrong taking the weekend off. But uh, for the next half hour, we will talk about another very volatile week on Wall Street. This is not for the timid, I'll tell you, trading the stock market and not so much the agricultural commodity market, but it's having its ups and downs as well. But let's begin with the numbers on this Friday. Dow Jones Industrial Average up 742 points, ending the day and the week at 23,428. The S&P 500 up 84 points, ending the week at 2531. And the NASDAQ up 275 points, ending the week at 6738. For the week, the S&P 500 gained 1.8%, the Dow up 1.6%, and the Nasdaq added 2 and a third percent for the weekly change. But let's take a look at some of the ingredients in the market today. And indeed, it uh, was again a very volatile day, starting with a very strong rise on Wall Street rebounding to close at its highest level in two weeks after a strong jobs report and assurances from Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell that the central bank would be patient and flexible in steering the course of interest rates. In a session emblematic of the elevated volatility that has gripped markets for weeks now, all three major U.S. stock indices went up more than 3% for the day. The main catalyst for the surge today, the monthly U.S. payrolls report, which totally blew past economists' forecasts with the largest number of jobs created in 10 months. And in remarks to the American Economic Association, Powell soothed market nerves with assurances the central bank is sensitive to risks that worry investors and is not on a preset path of interest rate hikes. Speaking after months of volatility in world bond and stock markets, Powell avoided some of the communication missteps that in the past have roiled rather than calmed investors, and he also pledged to stay in his job even if asked to quit by President Trump, who has repeatedly chastised the man he put in the job over the Fed's repeated interest rate hikes. The 11 major sectors of the S&P 500 ended the session in positive territory today. And Apple shares, which um, tended to lead the downturn earlier this week, uh, Apple shares up 4.3%. Each of the FANG Momentum stocks, that's a group including Facebook, Apple, Amazon.com, Netflix, and Google Parent Alphabet were also trading higher today. And Netflix jumped 9.7% after Goldman Sachs added the streaming service to its, quote, conviction list. 
So the other commodity that we keep an eye on, of course, is oil. Today, oil rose nearly 2% after proposed trade talks between the United States and China eased some fears about a global economic slowdown, but gains were capped after the U.S. reported a sharp build in refined product inventories. Brent crude futures up a dollar eleven cents a barrel for the day, settling at fifty-seven dollars six cents. U.S. crude up eighty-seven cents to settle at forty-seven dollars ninety-six cents a barrel, and Brent crude increased about nine and a third percent for the week, while U.S. crude rose about 5.8%. And the prices did cut into gains today after data from the U.S. Energy Information Administration showed a sharp increase in product inventories as refiners ramped up utilization rates to 97.2% of capacity, the highest rate on record for this time of the year. Gasoline stocks up 6.9 million barrels this week, while distillate uh, stockpiles grew 9.5 million barrels. So now, what do we look for next week? Well, probably more of the same, because the uh, regional governors of the Federal Reserve have a very busy week. On the speaking circuit, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell speaks before the Economic Club of Washington, D.C. on Thursday. And throughout the week, every Federal Reserve governor is on the speaking podium. The uh, government shutdown affecting data that's useful to traders we've already seen for the agricultural trade that uh, USDA has canceled many of the reports that are due out Friday, January 11 because of the government shutdown. But November trade and wholesale inventory data from the Commerce Department scheduled for release on Tuesday and Thursday have been delayed because of the partial government shutdown. Labor Department reports will continue to be released during the shutdown, and a report from the Labor Department will continue uh, on Thursday when they'll show initial claims for state unemployment benefits rose to 225,000 in the week ended January 5. Some of the other things that uh, are on the schedule for this week, besides the daily watch on the government shutdown, is the uh, Constellation Brands Incorporated expected to report higher third quarter revenue helped by higher demand for Corona beers. However, its wine business may take a hit as it shipped more cases in the prior quarter in preparation for the busy holiday season. Leonard Corporation expected to report higher fourth quarter profit and revenue helped by an acquisition. And investors will look for 2019 financial forecast as rising mortgage rates and higher home prices hurt demand. 
Bed, Bath and Beyond expected to post a decline in third quarter same-store sales as it battles decreasing traffic at its core Bed, Bath and Beyond shops. Again, fierce competition from online and big-box retailers. On Wednesday... Bank of Canada expected to announce its decision on interest rates and the 2019 International Consumer Electronics Show will be held in Las Vegas next week from January 8th through the 12th. A host of startups expected to try convincing global automakers how the sensor technology that watches drivers, passengers, and objects in cars can mean enhanced safety in the short term and revenue opportunities in the future. And on Monday, a report from the Institute of Supply Management expected to show that its index of non-manufacturing activity fell to a reading of 59 last month. And the Supreme Court will hear oral arguments in Merck and company's appeal of a lower court ruling that revived hundreds of lawsuits accusing the company of failing to adequately warn patients of the risks of thigh bone fractures associated with its osteoporosis drug. Then looking at some of the other events that uh, happened this week in the business world, a gentleman who really pioneered some major changes in airline business passed away. Herb Kelleher, who co-founded pioneering low-cost carrier Southwest Airlines and built it into an industry powerhouse stumped with uh, stamped with his colorful, unconventional personality, died Thursday at age 87. Kelleher set up Southwest with Rollin King more than 50 years ago, with the airline making its first flight in June of 1971. King died in 2014 at the age of 83. And the big downturn earlier in the week came primarily because of Apple, Apple shares fell as much as 9% on the 3rd of January when the company said it was lowering its number on possible sales of the iPhone. And that did trigger a major sell-off in the stock market. What about the agricultural market world? Well, we'll check in with Steve Georgie of Allendale Incorporated in McHenry, Illinois to talk agricultural trade when we continue on the markets sponsored by the CME Group. For more than 150 years, CME Group has been built with your confidence. Without it, we simply wouldn't be in business. Today, we continue to work on new and better ways to protect you and grow your confidence in the markets. After all, it's our vigilance that brings you the peace of mind you need today and in the future. CME Group. Advance with confidence.
It's time to talk agricultural markets, and today we turn to Steve Georgie at Allendale Incorporated, based in McHenry, Illinois, to talk about markets as we're now into the new year. But Steve, I think I'll start with a quick question. Looking back at 2018, Mm -hmm. any really big surprises for you as a market analyst trader? Well, you know, the... The biggest surprises, I guess, is that we go back and we, we look at some of these trade, uh, trade issues we've had with other countries, China being one. You can't talk 2018 without mentioning China. And so as we go into 2019, it's how do we resolve some of the issues that have been there? And so we know that the export sales that we've seen and some of the demand uh, issues that we've had as far as grain markets – that has been influenced with trade. And so do we get this demand back? Do we not? Do we what? The farmer has been the scapegoat on a lot of this. And can we find some of this resolve? And I think as we go into 2019, there's some optimism there that we can get things resolved. But 2018, mostly, uh, you've got to talk trade and the demand issues we've seen. And, of course, looking ahead, uh, talks face-to-face, not by telephone, will be taking place in the next few days between trade officials from the U.S. and China. What is the trade expecting, if anything? Well, I think the trade, anytime you see stuff like that, we're in a very media-driven market right now, which means that anytime you see something cross the newswire, or anytime there's a new tweet that is sent out, uh, the trade is trying to figure out, is there optimism or not? Is this trade getting better or is it getting worse? And so as we look at this going forward, anytime we can get these two parties, the U.S. and China, to sit down, it's expected to be a little bit better than what it is. And so I think the markets themselves are are finding this as more of an optimistic uh, view that we are trying to get things to look better than worse, and that's what supports these markets. We, of course, talk trade issues with China, but there's another situation about China that we've got to look at for this new year, African swine fever. And we really don't know, I think, how bad that could be in China. Yeah, we don't know. And that's the thing. Anytime there's something that happens in China, we're always kind of late to really figure it out. But Anytime you hear more cases, and we do, we get more cases week after week uh, of issues in certain areas in China, that is going to be affected. And I think if we can get some resolve in this trade issue and trade, uh, you know, these trade talks, do we really find out where we're at with the African swine fever? Uh, it probably is worse than what they're saying, uh, but then again, you never know. But the stories are friendly for hogs here if we continue to hear them. And now we focus, as we do every winter, on weather in South America. And again, this week we've seen one firm cutting the soybean production by 4 million tons. How serious is the weather situation for Brazilian soybeans? You know, it's it's always tough to decide or tough to really figure that out right now. It's kind of, we're getting into this weather pattern, much like what we do with our markets as you get into July and August. You know, that the next weather system that's coming through makes it either bullish or bearish or whatever, and the market reacts very quickly. 
The thing in, about that we're looking at right now for Brazil, yes, there are areas that are dry. There's firms that are putting out that we're going to see net drying over the next 30 days. We'll have to see if that really does take effect. They will be seeing some rain events. It's a matter how much, uh, how much uh, moisture do they get. But right now the concern is, too, that they had their first crop that they're harvesting looks to be a little bit smaller than what they had expected as well. And so all of this news is helping support the bean market right now. We've seen beans uh, firm up here since the first of the year. Can we get that going? This story of dry or biased in Brazil may help amplify that a little bit and look for some higher markets ahead. And when you look at Argentina almost every year, about this time of the year, we start getting flooding rains in Argentina. Any sign of that happening yet? You know, you do have areas that are they're, they're trying to play in as, as too wet. You know, we just know what happened last year. And so we, we haven't forgot that yet. And that's, uh, that had a, a significant effect uh, on their markets. Uh, and do we get to that again? And so as of right now, I don't see that there's a lot of threat. But if this does continue to escalate over the next few months, that threat may end up filtering into our markets just because we're very heightened and on edge with any kind of trade uh, or anything to do with South America here at this point, that that may help fuel the fire to the upside if things do escalate. Several years ago, I talked to a couple of traders who said, well, we love volatility in the market because if the market (laughs) goes up, we can make money. If the market goes down, we can make money. But hasn't the volatility situation, particularly in the yeah. stock market, been yes. more than volatile this year? It, it has. Um, you know, when you look at it from a trading perspective, uh, volatility that we're seeing in the stock market. I just had a conversation, you know, this past week with with a couple guys. And what it was is <laughs> we're getting 600, 700 point swings on a daily basis for the, you know, for the stock market. You know, is that healthy? Is it not healthy? As a trader, it's scary. And so you're either on the right side or you're really getting hurt. But that market volatility is probably here and probably going to stick around for a while just because we are so heightened and we're so aware of what happens in the media now that it makes the market get pushed around very quickly. So careful with that. So let's take a look now at 2019. Mm Any advice for farmers, producers, as we go into the planting season? You know, there's, there's a couple things that we do need to understand. And we know that the market has found a little strength. We're approaching these 200-day moving averages for corn and beans. Do we get above them? Do we get through them? We know that, the U, that USDA has actually basically had canceled the report that was supposed to be on the 11th. Uh, of this month, uh, and, and around this January report, we get a lot of market volatility. Well, they've pushed it back, and we don't know when until they actually open up the, the, the areas of the government that are shut uh, and closed, and then they'll make an announcement on this. Well, we don't know how far they're going to push that back, but tendency is that the markets can gravitate a little higher as we go into some of these numbers. Well, we don't know when these numbers are going to be released. So, Look for that, but there is a lot of cash selling that'll probably happen here in this first quarter. Farmers that need money. So take this rally, take this bounce as an opportunity in order to get some cash locked in, get some payments made, and look at trying to take advantage of what we've got right now and the situation we have at hand.
I know every year you folks at Allendale conduct meetings and surveys, so what's on your schedule for the next month or so in yep. that category? We have a we do our, our big yearly conference that comes up here at the end of January. And so we do a lot of research to it, corn, beans, wheat, cattle, hogs, uh, and then we're also going to dive into a full day of strictly weather. And so we do that. We put that on here at the end of this month. And that's something that is, uh, like I said, we do a lot of research and we put out a lot of price projections for the entire year based upon our research that we do here in the beginning of the season. And that's such a great thing uh, and such a good way to start your marketing year. And how can people get in on it and how can they listen or attend? What are the details? The best thing to do is actually give us a call or go right on our website. So allendale-inc.com, or they could reach us at the number 1-800, the number 2 market. Answer anybody that answers the phone. Talk to them about it. We're here to, to help you out, get you registered for that conference. Uh, but it is a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the last Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of this month. We will have that available for you guys uh, and certainly give you the best thing we can do. And is it available on the Internet as well as in person? It is. Um, so what it is is the conference is a webinar format. So okay. what it is, you just need to be in front of your computer. We bring this to you. And we found that that's a lot easier than having everybody come in town, come to one centralized location. It's a very tough time of year to be moving. So we bring it to you. You just need to be in front of your computer, and we put this big webinar on for you guys, a three-day conference series. And then my most difficult uh, question, of course, what would you recommend that producers be doing right now with the crops that are in the bin or their planting intentions for the upcoming season? You know, the planning intentions, I think, is going to be a really tough question to answer. But as far as the looking at what's in the bins right now, you need to have a good handle of what's there uh, and, and understand why we're bouncing right now in this market. It feels a lot better than it did just 30, 30 days ago. And so you need to be very uh, mindful of that and looking to make some sales here as we approach some of these resistance levels. But as far as the moving forward, what is, what's planning intentions going to look like? Right now, there is a huge divide. It looks like we're going to have just a way ton more corn acres and a lot less beans. If we continue, as we talked prior about the situation down in South America, if we start to see these beans firm up and we start to see this market get excited again, like we've seen, that may be opened up for more bean acres than we think, than what we, you know, we were looking for a significant drop out of bean acres. Well, it may not be that big. It may be more favorable to be planting beans, and so that switch may not be as heavy. So a lot of water has got to run underneath the bridge before those decisions are made. Steve, we always enjoy your expertise as well as the expertise of your uh, fellow people at Allendale, and we look forward to doing it throughout 2019. So thank you for joining us this morning. You betcha. Thank you for having me on. Steve Georgie, Allendale, based in McHenry, Illinois. For more than 150 years, CME Group has been built with your confidence. Without it, we simply wouldn't be in business. Today, we continue to work on new and better ways to protect you and grow your confidence in the markets. After all, it's our vigilance that brings you the peace of mind you need today and in the future. CME Group. Advance 
with confidence. This time of the year in North America, agricultural producers look to South America because of the cutback in the Brazilian soybean crop outlook and the biggest uh, decline that uh, we saw this week came from a leading agribusiness consultancy sharply reversing its forecast for Brazil's soybean crop this year due to a drought-hurting soybean production. Consultancy International FC Stone slashed its output forecast by about 4 million tons to 116 and a quarter million tons, according to a report it sent to its clients on Thursday. And the uh, F.C. Stone Company, among the first consultancies to lower its projection for Brazilian soybean output this season after the below-average rain started to put stress on soybean fields in states like Parada and Mato Grosso. And then, of course, the word that uh, the U.S. Department of Agriculture would not be on schedule January 11th for some major U.S. and world crop reports happening because of the two-week partial government shutdown. New releases for the dates for the monthly World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates Report and other data originally scheduled for January 11 will be set once government funding is restored, according to USDA. And traders regard that supply-demand report as the gold standard for crop forecasts and it, its release often has major impact on grain and soy futures at the Chicago Board of Trade. Aside from U.S. forecasts, the report includes USDA's latest fix on everything from corn and soybean production in Brazil and Argentina to projected wheat exports from top suppliers such as Russia, the European Union, Argentina, and Australia. And also delayed will be the quarterly report on U.S. grain stocks and then a big number the trade always looks for, the final U.S. crop production numbers for 2018 and then USDA's report on winter wheat plantings for harvest in 2019, originally scheduled for Friday, January 11th. But now we wait to see when the government shutdown will bring funds back to do that work and we'll get the new dates from the U.S. Department of Agriculture as it takes a look at what's going to be happening with the important releases that we have coming. Looking at uh, agricultural markets, live cattle futures slumped to a two-week low today, extending a decline to the fifth consecutive session on pressure from technical selling. Feeder cattle and lean hog futures also eased with feeders weighed down by rising corn prices that raise costs to feed out the animals. And cash cattle in the U.S. Plains traded at mostly $123 per hundredweight on Thursday. 
And according to uh, Archer Financial Services broker Dennis Smith, the steady cash must have been a disappointment. A lot of the trade expected to go higher. So uh, where will we start with the uh, livestock futures on the trade on, uh, on Monday? Well, as we said, they're trading lower. Turning to the grain market, uh, soybeans uh, notched a two-week high as the talks between U.S.-China trade negotiators are at least fueling some export hopes. Soybean futures climbed to a two-week high on optimism over something positive coming out of that meeting between U.S. and China negotiators. Uh, Their first face-to-face meeting, they've been talking on the phone, but this will be their first face-to-face meeting. Corn and wheat futures followed the firm trend, and so at the end of the day, and when we start trade on Monday, We'll start with the March wheat contract at $5.16 a bushel, up two and a quarter cents for the day today. March corn at 382 and three quarters, up three cents for the day. January soybeans up nine and a quarter cents for the day at 909 and a half. And back to those uh, mercantile exchange livestock numbers, the April lean hog contract down seven cents today, or seventy-five cents, starting the week at sixty-six seventy-five. February live cattle down a dollar thirty-two cents today, and January feeder cattle down a dollar seventy cents for the day this Friday. As we look ahead to next week, besides what we've been talking about. The American Farm Bureau Federation will begin its 100th annual convention in New Orleans, of all places, a good place to celebrate a centennial, and uh, that will start the 11th and continue through the 16th, and about 6,000 Farm Bureau members from across the country will be traveling, or maybe already are traveling, to New Orleans to... uh, have a good time, but also to conduct some serious business. I'm sure that their policy will outline several ideas for implementing in the Farm Bill. We'll have to watch for that. And, of course, we'll continue to watch the weather conditions in South America. Well, that's our time. I'm Orion Samuelson. Thank you for joining us on The Markets, sponsored by the CME Group.